We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 390. Yeah, 10 away from 400. It is Thursday, September 1st, 2022. September has begun as earth, wind, and fire. Don't forget fire, as all three of them said many years ago. Say, do you remember dancing in September? Uh, Our commanders were dancing on Wednesday, dancing with roster maneuverings left and right. Ron Rivera was like peak Michael Jackson, was like peak Usher, or as Ludacris once said, Usher. Uh, We have a lot to unpack with the commanders and what they did on Wednesday and with what the commanders are in the process of doing. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The Commanders on Tuesday put together their initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season. The Commanders on Wednesday made multiple moves with that roster with more moves still a-coming. We have the additions of two new corners. We have the releasing of two linebackers, including a linebacker who played a lot for Washington late last season. Uh, we have the looming return of another linebacker to Washington. We have a lot to discuss in addition to the commanders putting together their initial practice squad. Uh, next segment, I'll get into all of this, including key comments from head coach Rod Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew at a joint press conference on Wednesday afternoon. And then the following segment, I'll get into more with the commanders, including safety Cameron Curl having his right arm in a sling on Wednesday. Uh, Where'd that come from? And the latest on Brian Robinson Jr. and the commanders running back situation. Wait until you hear what Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon said about Antonio Gibson. Uh, Also on the show, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. Uh, I have talked about the eerie parallels between the Nats and the O's. Well, we on Wednesday night had more eerie parallels between the two teams. Each team won by exactly four runs. The Nats beat the Oakland A's at Nationals Park 5-1. The O's won at the Cleveland Guardians 4-0. 
Uh, the Nats and Doe's, each team got a very good outing from a veteran starting pitcher for the Nats, Anibal Sanchez for the O's, Jordan Lyles. And each team got a standout performance from a highly touted infield prospect. Uh, for the Nats, shortstop C.J. Abrams. And for the O's, third baseman Gunnar Henderson. He made his major league regular season debut. He smashed a homer. He had a single. Uh, he could not keep his batting helmet on. That's a separate item. But lots of good stuff from both the Nats and the O's. I'll get to all of it. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Merlin of some of what happened with the commanders in their cut down to 53, writes Merlin. Proud of guys like Milo and Reeves. Uh, also, Juan Castillo has done a great job getting his group ready no matter who's up. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Merlin. Yeah, linebacker Milo Eifler, safety Jeremy Reeves, uh, each guy making the commander's initial 53-man roster. Uh, each guy, a nice story. And good point on Juan Castillo. The commanders this past February 18th announced that tight ends coach Pete Hayner had announced his retirement. Uh, Pete Hayner did very good work over his two seasons as Washington tight ends coach. He was a very respected tight ends coach, but there are indications that the new tight ends coach, Juan Castillo, is doing a good job, especially when you think about the development of this guy, Armani Rogers, undrafted rookie out of Ohio, was a collegiate quarterback, but his transition to tight end has gone well enough to where he made the commander's initial 53-man roster. Uh, what's funny about Juan Castillo is that he had not served as a tight ends coach since 1997. Yeah, 25 years ago. Uh, Juan Castillo has held a variety of coaching jobs in football. He spent the last two seasons, 2020 and 2021, as the Chicago Bears offensive line coach. He's probably most famous for his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. Castillo worked for the Eagles from 1995 through 2012 in a variety of roles, uh, offensive assistant, tight ends coach, offensive line coach, defensive coordinator. Uh, he was the Eagles defensive coordinator for the 2011 and 2012 seasons. Juan Castillo worked with Ron Rivera during his time as Eagles linebackers coach from 1999 through 2003. Email from Roger Gonzalez in South Texas on Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. Writes Roger, what's up Goldie? Before I begin, let me just start off by saying that my feelings on the Brian Robinson Jr. situation coincided with everyone else's. Sean Taylor flashbacks, bad news always surrounding this team, yada yada yada. But as time went on and as I'm keeping up with the situation and reading that it was non-life-threatening, reading that he was released from the hospital and that he might be back sooner rather than later, I came to a conclusion. Brian Robinson is one tough SOB. No other way to put it. In a fight or flight situation, this dude fought, and that is exactly what this team needs. Someone with grit and toughness, and he will set the tone for this season. He is the Jonathan Allen of the offense, and Brian is who we need pounding the rock in our six-minute offense when putting a game away. I'm buying my B-Rob jersey today. What say you, Goldie? H-T-T-C. Love the pod. Take care. Well, thank you for that, Roger. Uh, yeah, man, I'm with you. As I said on Wednesday's show, episode 389, Brian Robinson Jr. is RoboCop, okay? B-Rob is RoboCop. He's unstoppable. I mean, the guy absorbed multiple bullets, but was back at the team facility two days later. Multiple bullet wounds on Sunday, back at the team facility on Tuesday, and he took on both attackers on Sunday in what was a two-on-one fight and wrestled a gun away from one of the attackers before getting shot. 
Uh, I have three letters that describe Bride Robinson Jr. BMF. And I'll let you figure those out. Uh, well, when it comes to buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, the three letters to know are N-O-W, as in now. Uh, now is the time to buy. And Kellen Hunt is the real estate agent with whom to work. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You may be wondering, hey, is now a good time to buy a home given what has been happening with mortgage rates? Uh, the answer is yes. The rates are sidelining buyers, causing high-level inventory, the likes of which we have not seen in years. This presents a huge opportunity for buyers. Uh, think of it like a contrarian approach in sports betting or in analytics. When everyone else is zigging, you should be zagging. Uh, with so many other buyers sidelined, that is causing a major rise in inventory and a major reduction in prices, and so you should be buying. Kellen Hunt understands all of this. He gets that now is the time to pounce. So, pounce. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell.com. K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has a mastery of the market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. His website says it all. Close it with Kell. Dot com. Kellen Hunt is a closer. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer get a piece of the action. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, the name to know is Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. And make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. All right, so as you may recall, Commander's head coach Ron Rivera in his post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon off the Commander's cut down to 53 made it quite clear that what the Commander's had was an initial 53-man roster for which changes were coming. Uh, Ron all but guaranteed that changes were coming, and sure enough, we on Wednesday had changes. Uh, it was on Wednesday that each NFL team could begin assembling a 16-man practice squad. Uh, the commanders did put together a practice squad, but they also made changes to the 53-man roster. Uh, let's deal with those first, and then we'll get to the practice squad. So the commander's initial 53-man roster had just four corners. Uh, Kendall Fuller, William Jackson III, Benjamin St. Juice, and Christian Holmes. You knew that that wouldn't last for long, and it didn't. Uh, the Commanders on Wednesday claimed two corners off waivers. So the team claimed corner Tariq Castro-Fields off waivers from the San Francisco 49ers and claimed corner Rashad Wild Goose off waivers 
from the New York Jets. Uh, yes, his last name is Wild Goose. How about that name? That is a wild last name, Wild Goose. Uh, that's a cool last name. Sounds like a type of vodka, you know, Wild Goose vodka. Uh, wild Goose was taken by the Buffalo Bills in the sixth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Wisconsin. Castro Fields was taken by the 49ers in the sixth round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Penn State. Castro Fields at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine ran a 4-3-8-40. Ron Rivera and Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon did a lengthy joint press conference. It lasted for more than 24 minutes. This was Ron on the Commander's claiming Tariq Castro Fields and Rashad Wildgoose off waivers. Well, I think first foremost is, you know, we got guys that we think can fill some of the needs that we were looking for. Um, like both of them, you know, we think they're both talented young football players that fit what we're looking for uh, in terms of um, the position, the position flex, which we think is important. Yes, uh, we have gotten that sense from Ron Rivera that position flex is important. Position flex, which we think is important. Yes, Ron. Position flex. Thank you. Uh, here was a good extensive breakdown from both Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon on Tariq Castro-Fields and Rashad Wildgoose. You know, Tariq Castro-Fields, a, a, a young man that was draft, uh, that was a, that was um, we picked up out of San Francisco, um, played at Penn State. He's, he's athletic. He's long. Uh, he's more of an outside guy for the most part. Um, he had some some pretty good tape. Um, Rashad Wild Goose uh, out of Wisconsin has uh, got terrific athletic ability. The one thing he gives he gives you position flex. He can play both inside and outside. Or at least that's what we think. Um, I think he's a second year player with from the Jets, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I can speak to those guys as well. Um, uh, Wild Goose uh, drafted by Buffalo, went on the practice squad, ended up at, with the Jets. Um, and uh, I spoke to Coach Sala uh, and uh, Joe Douglas today. Both those guys spoke very highly of the young man as a person. Uh, they hated to lose him, um, but he's like Coach said, inside outside versatility. Uh, the guy's very competitive, um, has some man cover skills, so we're excited to have him. And then Tariq um, as well. This guy has uh, you know size, speed, athleticism, very high ceiling, um, six foot, you know, two hundred pounds. Ran four three eight at the combine. Um, I know his his position coach at Penn State really well. Uh, Terry Smith was a receiver here for us when I played here, and I spoke to Terry about him during the draft process. Um, but yeah, um, Tariq, we, he has a huge upside, huge upside. Uh, really good football football IQ, uh, learns ball really well. Uh, played 46 games at Penn State, five-year player. Has played a ton of football as a rookie coming in here. Um, so we're excited by having him. All right, so there definitely are things to like about Tariq Castro-Fields and Rashad Wild Goose. Keep in mind, though, that the goal is for neither guy to play much this coming season. The goal is for the commander's top three corners, Kendall Fuller, William Jackson III, and Benjamin St. Juice, to be great and to be healthy this coming season. Uh, So the commanders have gone from having just four corners on the 53-man roster to now having six corners on the 53-man roster. But also on Wednesday was this, the commander's corresponding roster moves to these waiver claims of Tariq Castro-Fields and Rashad Wildgoose. And those corresponding roster moves with the commanders releasing linebackers David Mayo 
and Dijon Harris. Uh, David Mayo being released was a surprise. Now, it's possible that he'll be signed back to the practice squad, but we went from wondering whether Mayo might be ahead of Jamin Davis off Davis and not Mayo uh, playing in the commander's preseason ending 17-15 loss at the Baltimore Ravens this past Saturday night to then on Wednesday, the commander's releasing Mayo. Uh, The commanders on their 53-man roster now have just three linebackers, Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, and Milo Eifler. Uh, But that's not going to be lasting for long because we late Wednesday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders are bringing back, wait for it, John Bostick. I said, the commanders are bringing back John Bostic. What? No cheers? No applause? Why? <laughs> You're not happy? Oh, okay. Uh, the New Orleans Saints on Tuesday in their cut down to 53 terminated the contract of linebacker John Bostic, and now he is headed back to Washington. Uh, the 2022 season would be Bostic's age 31 season. Washington initially signed Bostic in May 2019, signed him as an unrestricted free agent. Bostic came to Washington, having bounced around the NFL, having played for four teams over five seasons. He was taken by the Chicago Bears in the second round of the 2013 NFL draft out of Florida, was traded to the New England Patriots in September 2015, then was traded to the Detroit Lions in May 2016. He signed with the Indianapolis Colts in April 2017 and the Pittsburgh Steelers in March 2018. Bostic in the 2019 regular season started all 16 of the Redskins games, finished second on the team in defensive snaps at 91.1%. The Skins in March 2020 re-signed Bostic as an unrestricted free agent to a two-year contract. Bostic in the 2020 regular season played in all 16 of Washington's games, finished second on the team in defensive snaps at 92.4%. But Bostic in the 2021 regular season played in just four of Washington's 17 games. He and the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four suffered a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, Look, John Bostic is smart. Uh, John Bostic is reliable in terms of knowing what he needs to do. Uh, It is the doing of what he needs to do that can be an issue. I mean, he has had some very rough moments as a Washington linebacker. John Bostic's overall grade for pro football focus over his four games in the 2021 regular season was a putrid 34.4. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. They are not gospel, okay? But that overall grade of 34.4 matches up with what a lot of us saw from John Bostic. The idea is for Bostic not to have to play, right? The idea is for the commander's primary linebackers for the 2022 season to be Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis. Uh, But yeah, John Bostic is coming back. Uh, Also, with the Commanders on Wednesday, we learned that they are placing tight end Curtis Hodges on the reserve injured list. Uh, This would seem to be the corresponding roster move to signing John Bostic. Uh, Curtis Hodges has been out for weeks with what has been reported as a thigh injury. Uh, He did make the Commanders' initial 53-man roster, and now that he is being placed on the reserve injured list, uh, he can be designated for return. Uh, A player cannot be designated for return from the reserve injured list without first making the initial 53-man roster. The Commanders, upon placing Hodges on injured reserve, will have four tight ends on the 53-man roster. Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, 
and Armani Rogers. Uh, this was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Curtis Hodges. The move with Curtis Hodges, obviously, is he's a young guy that, you know, he has an injury that we think he'll be over in about four weeks, five weeks. And, and if something were to happen with one of the other guys, you know, hopefully within that time, Curtis is ready to go again. Yeah, Curtis Hodges is an intriguing prospect. Undrafted rookie out of Arizona State. The commanders list him as being 6'8", 240. Uh, as for the commander's practice squad, so they on Wednesday announced a 15-man practice squad. Each NFL team is allowed to have up to 16 players on its practice squad. Among the players on the commander's practice squad is the German defensive lineman David Bada. Uh, he is part of the NFL's International Player Pathway Program and thus does not count toward the maximum 16 spots. So the commanders actually have two open spots on the team's practice squad. So one of those spots, in theory, could be filled by David Mayo. An NFL team on its 16-man practice squad is allowed to have up to six players each with no experience restrictions. Each of the other 10 players must have no more than two accrued NFL seasons. Uh, Here's something to know about this year's cut down to 53 for the Commanders and something to remember for next year. Every single one of the players who the commanders released in their cut down to 53 on Tuesday cleared waivers. Every single one. For all of the talk about who the team released, all of those players cleared waivers. And the same thing happened last year, despite a lot of people, myself included, uh, not being happy about corner Jimmy Moreland, a.k.a. the People's Corner, uh, being cut in the cut down to 53. As much as we come to like these players more often than not, <laughs> the rest of the NFL takes a pass. And so the commanders on Wednesday had their pick of those who they cut in terms of the construction of the practice squad, and the team ended up bringing back a bunch of guys. Uh, corners Danny Johnson and Corn Elder, linebacker Kalik Hudson, edge defender William Bradley King, running back Jarrett Patterson, receiver Alex Erickson, center John Toth. All of those guys who were cut in the commander's cut down to 53 were signed to the team's practice squad. And guess who else was signed to the team's practice squad? Corner Troy Apke, a.k.a. Trap. Yes, Trap is back. How about that? We on the same day had the news of the returns of both John Bostic and Troy Apke. <laughs> that is an all-timer if you're a Commanders fan. Both Bostic and Apke back on the same day. Uh, the Commanders released Troy Apke on August 16th. <laughs> they released him two weeks before the cutdown to 53. Uh, but now he's back like a cockroach after the apocalypse. Troy Apke lives on. Well, living on for 40-plus years has been the law firm of Paulson and Nace. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in 
and out of courtrooms. Uh, Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients' harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was just concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government was paying nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, you may have heard about this. Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Uh, again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. There was a lot to this joint press conference for Commanders head coach Ron Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew on Wednesday afternoon. Last segment, I dealt with the latest on the Commanders 53-man roster and practice squad. This segment, uh, I want to get into some other items from this uh, joint press conference on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, So the commanders on Wednesday did practice. Uh, The portion of the practice that was open to reporters included safety Cameron Curl not being dressed for practice and standing and watching practice with his right arm in a sling. Yeah, Cam Curl's right arm was in a sling. Uh, Not good. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon was asked if he would discuss what's going on with Cam Curl. Here was Ron's answer. No, we don't have to give you the injury report until next Wednesday, so we'll stay away from all that. All right, uh, there you go. No update on Cam Curl. Uh, That was concerning, seeing him with his right arm in a sling, as we're now just a little more than a week away from the commander's regular season opener, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Sunday afternoon, September 11th at 1. The first question that Ron Rivera got asked in the press conference on Wednesday afternoon was the question about Cam Curl. And then we super late in the press conference had this exchange involving the person who asked that initial Cam Curl question, Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post and Ron Rivera. Here you go. Do you expect Cam Curl to be available? Huh? Do you expect Cam Curl to be available? Okay, so Wednesday? We'll get you guys, you guys will get the, uh, the medical report and you'll be able to see <laughs> that where That was he a is. good one right there. That was a good one. 
Yeah, uh, Martin Mayhew like that. But Ron Rivera these days, for the most part, is belichicking it uh, when asked about injuries. Well, next week, we will begin to get commander's injury reports. Uh, Another topic at the joint Ron Rivera-Martin Mayhew press conference on Wednesday afternoon was running back Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, He remains on the commander's 53-man roster. He has not been moved to the reserve non-football injury or illness list, the NFI list. Uh, It may be that he never is moved to that list. We'll see. Uh, The Brian Robinson Jr. story continues to be amazing. Sunday, he in Washington, D.C. got shot multiple times in taking on two attackers in a two-on-one battle in which he wrestled a gun away from one of the attackers before getting shot. Monday, he was released from the hospital. Tuesday, he was back at Commander's Team Headquarters in Ashburn, Virginia, and for now, he is on the 53-man roster. This is really something. Uh, Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Brian Robinson Jr. I think what's really cool was yesterday when he showed up. You know, he came in yesterday. Uh, his teammates got to see him. He got to see his teammates. And I, I think it was an emotional thing because you, you could see it's like they could see he was okay, you know, and, and he, was, he was able to express his appreciation for all their concern. That, that, was, that was something that was important to him because, you know, when I, went and, when I went and saw him that night, the one thing he told me was, you know, hey, just make sure everybody knows I'm all right. But when they actually got to see him, I think that really kind of put a lot of their minds at ease. Yeah, you can only imagine what that moment must have been like for Brian Robinson Jr. You know, there is a thing right now of whenever you talk about Brian Robinson Jr. playing football, uh, you have to immediately say something along the lines of, but what matters the most is his health. And yes, of course, what matters the most is his health, both physical and mental, by the way. But, you know, only a buffoon would think that him playing football again is what matters the most right now. That said, it's okay to be thinking about Brian Robinson Jr. playing football again. Every indication, every single one that we have gotten since this awful news broke late on Sunday is that him playing in the 2022 season is very possible, if not probable. And the fact that he remains on the 53-man roster is the biggest indication of all. But here was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on balancing, wanting Brian Robinson Jr. to play football with understanding what he just went through. We know he's got a bright future, and the future doesn't have to be immediately now. We want to make sure he's, he's, he's taken care of. We want to make sure he's in a, in a very good place, both physically and mentally. You know, um, we're very fortunate uh, with, with, with our medical crew. You know, it, it's not just we just don't have, you know, the uh, the medical doctors, but but we do have Dr. Roberts on staff, and you know, so so his mental well-being will be looked at as well. So until he's ready to roll, you know, we have no intention of putting him out there. Yeah, I liked how Ron Rivera put that. Brian Robinson Jr. has a bright future. The future doesn't have to be immediately now. Uh, And you heard Ron reference a Dr. Roberts. Uh, That is Dr. Barbara Roberts of Washington on June 1st, 2021, announced the hiring of Dr. Barbara Roberts as the team's first full-time director of wellness and clinical services. Uh, She has a PhD in psychology. She, at the time of her hiring, became just the fourth full-time clinician with a PhD in psychology working for an NFL franchise. Uh, One of the more interesting reveals from Ron Rivera at his post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon 
was that the commanders kept Jonathan Williams over Jarrett Patterson on the 53-man roster because Ron views Williams' style as a running back as being similar to Brian Robinson Jr.'s style as a running back. Uh, That style is a bruising, physical, punishing style. Uh, Jonathan Williams is listed by the commanders as being six feet tall and 217 pounds. Jarrett Patterson is listed by the commanders as being 5'8 and a buck 95. With that in mind, Ron on Wednesday afternoon was asked when he realized that the team needed a more bruising physical running back, uh, the likes of which the team got in taking Brian Robinson Jr. in the third round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Well, I think the one thing we met, what we, we, we missed last year early on, um, you know, un, un, until Antonio found his footing, was we, we missed that, that, that inside guy. Peyton Barber was the guy for us that handled that. And when we lost Peyton, um, you know, we, he got plucked, by, you know, the Raiders plucked him from us. We, we needed that guy. And so, you know, we started to see some of, of Antonio's ability as far as that was concerned, but he's really a guy that's, you know, off the edge, a little bit of a slasher. Uh, in space, he can make things happen. And so we just felt we had to find a, 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 a stout, stouter runner between the tackles, and, and that's what we think we have found. Uh, with Jonathan, who had an extremely good camp, um, we saw a little bit of that last year as the season wound down, um, and he got to carry the ball between the tackles, and, and we all thought, man, it, that was pretty good if he can just grow a little bit more. And sure enough, this, this camp, he had a good camp. He really did. So we felt that, that, that he's going to give us you know, what we we're going to potentially lose by not having Brian on the field. So I thought that that was a very interesting reveal from Ron Rivera. He right there practically said that the team last year made a mistake in not keeping Peyton Barber. Uh, Washington last year in the cut down to 53 cut Peyton Barber. Uh, The Barber got cut. Uh, Did then sign him to the practice squad, but the Las Vegas Raiders on September 4th, 2021 signed Barber to their active roster off Washington's practice squad. And Barber did have a big game for the Raiders. Week three of last season, 31-28 overtime win over the Miami Dolphins. Peyton Barber in that game, 23 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown. Also had three receptions for 31 yards on five targets. Uh, Did also have a fumble. The availability of Brian Robinson Jr. is the biggest wild card in the commander's running back situation right now, especially When you think about Antonio Gibson, I mean, what now with Antonio Gibson? The biggest development for the commanders over the course of the preseason was Brian Robinson Jr. supplanting Gibson as the team's number one running back. Uh, Well, now what? Is Gibson going to go back to being the commander's RB1? Or is the idea still to use Gibson as he was going to be used prior to Robinson getting shot? Uh, i.e. Gibson out in space, you know, using him more as a pass catcher, using him as the team's number one kickoff returner. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Antonio Gibson. Well, I think with the three guys that we have, you know, the, the, the thing is to, to quickly establish who's, who's doing what and how they're doing it and then get them the ball in the best situation that gives us a chance to succeed. I mean, to sit there and just say, well, we're only going to take this one guy and do that. You know, J.D. McKinsey's a heck of a football player. Jonathan Williams has shown that he can run the ball between the tackles. So you feel good about the trio that we have right now, and, and we'll see what happens. So how about that? We'll see what happens. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but to me, uh, that did not sound like Ron Rivera fully endorsing Antonio Gibson as the commander's RB1 if, in fact, Brian Robinson Jr. does end up missing some games. And up next, I'm talking Nationals. A good-looking win for the Nats on Wednesday night. A win that included Anibal Sanchez dipping into the fountain of youth and C.J. Abrams doing two things that he had not yet done for the Nats. And still to come on the show, the Orioles, their win on Wednesday night. A win that included an electrifying Major League regular season debut of third baseman Gunnar Henderson. All of that is on the way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we this week at Nationals Park have had a battle of the two worst teams in the majors this season, the Nats and the Oakland A's. Uh, This is like a bizarro world version of the World Series. Uh, The Nats have the worst record in the majors. The A's have the worst record in the American League and the second worst record in the majors. Uh, The Nats on Tuesday night got stomped by the A's 10-6. But the Nats on Wednesday night actually put together a nice all-around game for a 5-1 win for manager Davey Martinez. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, proud of the boys. Uh, they did a nice job against the A's on Wednesday night. The Nats now are a major league worst of 44 and 86. Uh, Anibal Sanchez, he was the Nats starting pitcher on Wednesday night. I have referred to Anibal as a road to nowhere for the Nats, uh, and he is, and I say that with all due respect, but uh, this is his age 38 season. He did not even pitch in the majors in the 2021 regular season. He was really bad for the Nats in the 2020 regular season, and the Nats, of course, are a rebuilding team. Again, road to nowhere. What could have been the case for Anibal Sanchez with the Nats this season is that he pitched well Uh, And then the Nats traded him prior to the MLB trade deadline on August 2nd. But things went awry. Uh, The Nats in March signed Anibal to a minor league contract. He made the Nats season opening rotation, but he then got hurt. Uh, The Nats on April 10th placed him on the 10-day injured list with a cervical neck impingement. The Nats on May 3rd transferred Anibal to the 60-day injured list. It was not until July 14th that the Nats reinstated Anibal 
from the 60-day IL. He initially was horrendous. Uh, Anibal Sanchez, over his first six major league starts in the 2022 regular season, had an ERA of 720, but he now is on a nice run. A 3-1 win at the San Diego Padres on August 18th. Anibal in that game, one run in five innings. 3-1 win at the Seattle Mariners on August 24th. Anibal in that game, four and a third scoreless innings. And now we have what he did on Wednesday night, this 5-1 win over the A's at Nationals Park. Anibal, one run in seven innings. How about Anibal Sanchez? A really nice job on Wednesday night. He gave up just three hits, a homer, and two singles. He did issue three walks and a hit by pitch. He recorded four strikeouts. He threw 95 pitches, 57 strikes versus 38 balls. Uh, The only damage off Sanchez came in the top of the second, uh, during which he gave up a mammoth one-out solo homer to Dermis Garcia on a bomb to left field for a one nothing A's lead. The homer went a projected 467 feet for a stat cast. Uh, that was some shot by Dermis Garcia, but otherwise, Anibal Sanchez on Wednesday night was really good. Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Anibal Sanchez, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange. He's throwing all his pitches. Um, he, you know, he's, he's he's working both sides of the plate. I mean, all his pitches are are, are sharp. Um, you know, he, he he talks a lot of, still about you know falling behind, but you know when he does fall behind, he makes a good pitch. So, he, you know, when you're on the plate, um, you know, good things happen. So, you know, tonight was a good example of him just going out there and trying to attack the strike zone, um, getting some double plays when we needed to. I mean, so we kept the ball down for the most part. It was it was really good. I know we've talked about he needed some time after missing last season and then being injured, but are there some things when a player is that established that just kind of comes second nature after a while? Yeah, he know. I mean, like I said, he he does his homework every you know every time before he pitches. Um, he keeps himself in great shape. I mean, the guy you'll see him tomorrow throwing you know full boat out there. You know, just um, but that that's that's what we talked about earlier about routine preparation. Um, he does all that. You know, he's got it's been been around. has pitched in a lot of playoff games, World Series games. Um, but he's done and he's done well. So. Um, you know, for for me, like I said before, um, I knew he had, still had it in him. I saw him, you know, this this winter, throwing. I mean, he's passionate about coming back, um, and uh, his heart was in it. So um, he got hurt, and now he's just out there, uh, fully healthy and and pitching well. You know, this is not unlike what Anibal Sanchez did in the Nats' 2019 World Series championship season. Anibal in the 2019 regular season struggled over his first nine starts. Then in May 2019, went on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain, and then was much better the rest of the season. Uh, Anibal, turning back the clock to the second half of the 2019 season lately. Good for him. Uh, The Nats have hit so far in this series against the A's, and that's on Wednesday night, five runs, uh, nine hits, including four extra base hits, Two walks, four for 11 with runners in scoring position. Really nice to see C.J. Abrams have a nice game on Wednesday night. C.J. Abrams came into Wednesday having an OPS plus of minus two over 49 Major League Plate appearances with the Nats, okay? OPS plus is OPS that's adjusted for a player's league and home ballpark. A hundred is league average. C.J. Abrams OPS plus with the Nats 
over his 49 Major League Plate appearances for them coming into Wednesday was minus two. That is unbelievably bad. But C.J. Abrams on Wednesday night was good. Uh, He was an ad starting shortstop and number seven batter, one for three with a double and a walk. And those two things, quite notable. Uh, Abrams in the Nats, four-run fifth, a leadoff seven-pitch walk for his, believe it or not, first walk as a Nat at the major league level. Abrams in the Nats, one-run sixth, a two-out double to right field, despite having been down to the count at 1.02. That was Abrams' first extra base hit as a Nat at the major league level. So he had neither walked nor hit an extra base hit since being promoted by the Nats from AAA Rochester to the major league level on August 15th. And on Wednesday night, he did both. He drew a walk and he had himself an extra base hit. I mean, C.J. Abrams was arguably the top prospect acquired by the Nats from the San Diego Padres as part of that six-player package for right fielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell on August 2nd. The Padres took Abrams with the number six pick in the 2019 MLB draft out of a high school in Georgia. Baseball America entering the 2022 season cited Abrams as being the best hitter in all of minor league baseball and having the best speed in all of minor league baseball. He has really struggled offensively for the Nats. Hopefully Wednesday night uh, does in fact get him going. Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on C.J. Abrams. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, like I said, he, you know, we got to remember he's 21 years old, right? But um, the one thing I can say is he loves, loves playing the game. And he got some good at-bats today. I put the ball in play. Uh, but, it's got, you know, and I said, I always tell him every day, hey, the, the, the hits are going to come. You just work good at-bats, get yourself ready to hit, stay on the fastballs. Um, but the biggest thing is is when you're limiting your chases, uh, you get, you're getting a hit, good hitter's count, you're going to have a good swing. So, you know, just continue to work on that. As far as his defense and, and base running, you know, he gets on the bases. He's exciting, man. He, you know, he, he gets going. So his defense has been good. He's turned some good double plays for us today. And, um, you know, he's going to continue to get better. And C.J. Abrams' double play partner had a good game on Wednesday night. Luis Garcia on Wednesday night as an at starting second baseman. And number one batter, two for four with a double and an RBI single. Uh, Garcia in the Nats, four-run fifth, an opposite field RBI single through the left side of the infield for a 2-1 Nats lead. Garcia in the bottom of the seventh, a leadoff double to right field on an 0-2 pitch. Uh, he has looked good since coming off the 10-day injured list. He was on that from August 15th, retroactive to August 13th to August 26th with a left groin strain. Uh, Luke Voigt on Wednesday night homered. He was an at starting first baseman at number three batter, one for four with a two-run homer. Uh, he and that Nats four-run fifth at a two-out, two-run opposite field home run to right center field for a 4-1 Nats lead. The homer winner projected 409 feet per stat cast. Uh, Voight needed that. He had been struggling. Uh, Voight on Tuesday night as an Nats starting first baseman and number three batter, 0 for 5 with three strikeouts, left four men on base. Uh, Ildemoro Vargas continues to hit for the Nats. He on Wednesday night was an Nats starting third baseman and number eight batter. He went two for four with an RBI double and a single and an incredible slide. Uh, so Vargas in the bottom of the third had a one-out single to center field. Vargas in the Nats 4-1 fifth reached base via error. Uh, he on Josh Palacios's opposite field RBI single through the left side of the infield somehow advanced from first to third 
despite the throw to third beating Vargas by a mile. This was a really bad decision by Ildemaro Vargas to try to get to third, but the result ended up being good. He somehow slid around the tag of A's third baseman and former Nats prospect Sheldon Noisy. Uh, Sheldon Noisy was among the players who the Nats in July 2017 traded to the A's as part of the package for relievers Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen. But this was some slide by Ildemaro Vargas. I'm still not sure how he wound up being safe, but he was in fact safe. And then Vargas in an Nats one run six had a two out RBI double to left field for a 5-1 Nats lead. Vargas over 84 major league plate appearances for the Nats has an OPS of 863. Uh, the Nats bullpen on Wednesday night came through, although uh, it wasn't exactly smooth. Uh, Coral Edwards Jr. was smooth. He tossed a perfect top of the eighth, but Kyle Finnegan, a scoreless top of the ninth with three strikeouts, despite loading the bases with two outs. Uh, he gave up a double, a single, and a walk. You on Wednesday night saw both the good and the bad of Kyle Finnegan. The good is the guy can be a flamethrower. And again, three strikeouts in that top of the ninth on Wednesday night. But the bad with Finnegan is he will put guys on base. He will give stuff up. And he on Wednesday night gave up a double, a single, and a walk. But ultimately, scoreless ninth. Nats get the win. Game three for the Nats against the A's at Nationals Park. Thursday afternoon at 4.05, Paolo Espino will be the Nats' starting pitcher. Uh, Cade Cavalli was supposed to be the Nats' starting pitcher, but the Nats on Wednesday, retroactive to August 28th, officially place Cavalli on the 15-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation, uh, likely ending his season. Uh, also, the Nats on Wednesday recalled pitcher Corey Abbott from AAA Rochester. One of the best aspects of the Orioles' 2022 season, heck, maybe the best aspect, has been all of these highly touted prospects who the O's have called up to the majors. Uh, all of the years of losing and tanking for the O's paid off in their farm system becoming really good. Their farm system last year was named the top farm system in baseball. MLB Pipeline on August 24th, 2021, ranked the O's as having the number one farm system in baseball. And we this year have seen a number of the Orioles' top prospects be called up to the majors. Uh, no prospect more prominent than catcher Adley Rutschman, uh, who now is maybe the number one contender for American League Rookie of the Year. Well, the O's on Wednesday called up yet another highly touted prospect. The O's on Wednesday selected the contract of infielder Gunnar Henderson from AAA Norfolk. Uh, the O's took Henderson in the second round of the 2019 MLB draft out of a high school in Alabama. This season is his age 21 season. He, per MLB pipeline, is the number two prospect in baseball, uh, not bad for a second-round pick. Adley Rutschman, when he got called up to the majors in May, was the number one prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline. Gunnar Henderson, the number two prospect in baseball. Uh, Henderson this season totaled 503 plate appearances for AA Bowie and AAA Norfolk. He, over those 503 plate appearances, had an on-base percentage of 416 and a slugging percentage of 531. Just sensational. 
Well, what happened on Wednesday evening? Well, first of all, the Orioles won uh, a 4-0 win at the American League Central leading Cleveland Guardians in Game 2 of a three-game series as the O's off a 5-1 loss on Tuesday evening. We're back in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, thank you, Joe Angel. Uh, the O's now are 68-61 and 61 and a mere two games behind the Toronto Blue Jays for the American League's third wildcard spot. But with Gunnar Henderson on Wednesday evening, he in his Major League regular season debut was the Orioles starting third baseman and number six batter. He went two for four with a solo homer and a single. Yep, he homered. Uh, Henderson in the top of the fourth, a leadoff homer to right center field, despite having been down in the count at one point, one two. Uh, the homer was no cheapy. The homer went a projected 429 feet per stat cast. The homer was his first career major league regular season hit. His helmet came flying off as he hit the home run, and he, upon hitting the homer, got a big hug from Orioles catcher. Adley Rutschman. Uh, and that was a tremendous scene. If you are an O's fan, that sight, Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson embracing two potential franchise cornerstones for the O's for years to come. And Gunnar Henderson wasn't done. Uh, he, in the top of the ninth, had a leadoff full count single through the right side of the infield, and his batting helmet came flying off again. Uh, he needs a batting helmet that fits. But more importantly, the guy can hit. Uh, what a debut for Gunnar Henderson, homering for his first major league regular season hit. Uh, we have a saying for that, Orioles magic. Every game does a different star on WFDR. Yes, thank you. The Orioles' magic continues to flow. O's manager, Brandon Hyde, in his postgame session with reporters on Wednesday night on how he felt Gunnar Henderson handled his Major League regular season debut, and you'll hear several follow-up exchanges. I think we need to give him a chin strap. <laughs> <laughs> or some Velcro or some something. Uh, uh, what a cool moment that was and uh just so happy for him and his family and uh to be able to go deep in your first major league game uh it's really really special so it was a hit we needed to big time and and uh he played extremely well tonight when a player does something of that nature is that just an energy boost kind of felt around the entire group well, and not only that, but just the, I mean, two strikes and, I mean, that ball was hit and it was loud and uh, it was a no-doubter off the bat. So our dugout exploded and uh, I don't think the helmet made it out of the batter's box, uh, but no, good for him. Not only did he did he hit, but he was involved, uh, heavily involved in the field. How do you think he handled the uh, third base? Yeah, I started a nice double play in, in a big spot. Um did a nice job defensively, so I'm really happy with. Uh, I'm sure it's a sigh of relief for him. I know I'm sure he's, uh, I'm sure he's still uh, got a ton of energy right now. I think I just heard the clubhouse erupt when he walked in, probably. Uh, but everybody's happy for him. 
You know, the O's lately had not been hitting. We had talked about that on the podcast. Uh, the O's on Wednesday evening did hit. Four runs, eight hits, three walks. Uh, although the O's did go over four with runners in scoring position. This was not some like offensive eruption by the O's on Wednesday night, but they did at least hit to an acceptable level. Uh, good game for Ramon Arias. Uh, he, as the Orioles starting DH and number four batter, one for three, with a two-run homer and a bases-loaded walk. Uh, you don't often think of Ramona Rios as your cleanup batter, but that decision by Brandon Hyde paid off. Uh, Arias in the Orioles, one-run third, a two-out, four-pitch, bases-loaded walk for a one-nothing Orioles lead. And Arias in an Orioles, a two-run eighth, a one-out, full-count, two-run, opposite-field home run to right-center field for a 4 nothing Orioles lead. As you may recall, it was Arias who in the 5-1 loss at the Guardians on Tuesday evening had the Orioles only hit in the game a single. Uh, and then great pitching for the O's on Wednesday evening. I mean, they did win 4-0. Uh, Jordan Lyles was terrific. Six and two-thirds scoreless innings. He gave up just four hits, a double, and three singles. He did issue three walks, did record just two strikeouts. He threw 96 pitches, 57 strikes versus 39 balls. Now, if you are an O's fan, you may know that Brandon Hyde loves Jordan Lyles. Brandon Hyde, after like every Jordan Lyles outing, raves about Jordan Lyles, gushes over Jordan Lyles. And so what do you think Brandon Hyde had to say of Lyles on Wednesday evening, tossing six and two-thirds scoreless innings? Well, here you go. Uh, Brandon Hyde during his post-game session with reporters on Wednesday night on Jordan Lyles. Unbelievable. Once again, um, just a real, you know, just a pro start. Uh, pitched out of traffic, made big pitches when he needed. Um, you know, there's a lot of left-handers in that lineup. Navigated nicely through the through a, a kind of a difficult. I think it was the f- the fourth possibly. Um, but yeah, went into the seventh inning. Probably could have finished it, but uh, uh, it was an outstanding start. Yeah, there you go. Brandon Hyde loves himself some Jordan Lyles. And you know what? Why the heck not? Uh, Lyles now in the 2022 regular season, 27 starts, ERA of 425. That's good considering that he, over the previous two regular seasons, 2020 and 2021, had an ERA of 560 in pitching for the Texas Rangers. And Lyles has had some good starts lately, including his previous outing prior to Wednesday evenings. Uh, Jordan Lyles in the 4-3-11 inning win over the Chicago White Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on August 25th. Two runs, one earned in seven innings. Now, he did give up nine hits in the game, did record just two strikeouts, but he issued no walks, and he threw a ton of strikes, 95 pitches, 70 strikes versus 25 balls. And then the Orioles' bullpen on Wednesday evening was great. Uh, Brandon Hyde used his top two relievers, and they delivered. CNL Perez won in a third scoreless innings, lowering his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 159. Felix Batista, a perfect bottom of the ninth on just six pitches to lower his ERA for the 2022 regular season to 155. Game three for the O's at the Guardians Thursday evening at 6.10. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 391, will feature a lot on the commanders. Uh, we'll see if they on Thursday enact any more changes to the 53-man roster. Uh, we are expecting the signing of linebacker John Bostic and the placing of tight end Curtis Hodges on the reserve injured list to become official. Uh, there's also plenty more from the joint press conference of head coach Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew from Wednesday afternoon that we can get into. Also, on Friday's show, the season debut of Goldilocks. My college football picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Yes, football season is upon us. Uh, and I'll talk Nationals and Orioles, and that's on Thursday afternoon at 4.05. We'll begin Game 3 of their three-game series against the American League worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park. The O's on Thursday evening at 6.10. We'll begin Game 3 of their three-game series at the American League Central-leading Cleveland Guardians. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Position flex, which we think is important. 